Ellie Saad is an application security engineer leading three different OWASP projects. He focuses on helping developers own and champion security in their projects by providing guidance, tests, secure pipeline design, and aiding them in applying external security measures. In this conversation, Ellie educates us about the current happenings with WSTG, which is the testing guide, the cheat sheet project, and the integration standard. And he walks us through demos of each of these projects. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Ellie Saad. At Security Journey, we believe security is every developer's job. We work with our customers to help them build long-term, sustainable security culture amongst all their developers. Our approach is to provide security education that's conversational, quick, hands-on, and fun. We don't do lectures. Instead, we let the experts talk about what's important. Modules are quick, 10 to 20 minutes in length. We believe in hands-on experiments, builder and breaker style, that allow your developers to put what they learned into action. And lastly, fun. Training doesn't have to be boring. We make it engaging and fun for the developers. Visit www.securityjourney.com to sign up for a free trial of the Security Dojo. Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the Application Security Podcast. My name is Chris Romeo. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Security Journey. And uh, I'm also joined today by Robert Hurlbutt. Hey, Robert, how's it going? Hey, Chris, really good. Uh, good to be here. Uh, threat modeling architect. Always enjoy our application security podcast. Yeah, me too. And uh, I believe you had a bit of an event where you earned an advanced degree. Is there any truth to that? I did. Uh, yeah, Master of Science and Cybersecurity recently. Congratulations. That is very, very Lovely. cool. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, which, yeah no. where, what university was that from? Southern New Hampshire University. So it was an online program um, over a period of time. Took my time through it. Uh, Great. We'll have to do years. another episode where we, we profile <laughs> and ask a lot of questions for those that uh, are thinking about getting a master's degree in cybersecurity. You know, sure. the most important question is, if you had to do it all over again, would you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in yeah. fact, what's inter interesting, at, at the time, there were a few programs around. A few, literally a few. Uh, now, a few years later, there are many, many more uh, universities that are providing it. So it's, you know, it's a topic, again, 10 years ago, you would never even heard of. Nobody carried this. And now you yeah. find uh, bachelor's programs, master's programs. Even I've found a couple that are, doctorate programs as well in cybersecurity. So really interesting that uh, changes in the last number of years. Yeah, we'll have to do another episode to come back and uh, talk about your, your journey through the master's program. But um, I'm excited to say that uh, we have with us today um, Ellie Saad, who is an OWASP project lead for many things in the world of OWASP. <laughs> um, Ellie, we, we always like to start with the question, what is your security origin story? Before we give you any chance to, to warm up or anything, let's dive into how you got into this crazy world called application security. Sure, thank you, Chris, for this introduction. Um, so first of all, uh, I went into college for a computer engineering degree. And while in there, I had the opportunity to be mentored uh, in a development program. So for three years, I was uh, doing development uh, on the side, uh, a kind of an ambition, passion, whatever you want to name it. Uh, and I was a little bit lucky as well because my brother went into cybersecurity ahead of me. 
And uh, when I was at the end of my bachelor degree, um, I was looking like, what am I going to do next? And he told me, why not look and see for cybersecurity? Like, you know development, but you don't know about cybersecurity. So why not go ahead and see in an internship and then see if you like it, go on, move forward with it. So I started an internship, uh, started doing basic penetration testing stuff, uh, did some uh, blue stuff as well, uh, monitored the scene, built rules, uh, understood the logs, how they functioned, and all of that. So that was, that was a little bit between offensive and defensive. And I, as I grew into the field, uh, I found that pen testing as on its own is like it doesn't fulfill the full promise that it, could, it, it actually delivers. At the end of the day, you provide a report and you can give basic recommendations, but it's not your task to actually follow through the, with the developers, uh, with whoever is going to build uh, your remediation. Uh, it's not actually your task. It's just give them the report, uh, give them remediation, uh, follow after a couple of months later, and then move on. Um, and I didn't like that. So I looked around and tried to see how purple can I go? And I landed on application security. Um, I love that I can actually go back to being a developer and actually being uh, a security professional. So having both words that I actually started with made me look like, all right, so I, when I was in college, I loved doing development, and then I, I went into cybersecurity. All right, I have this chance to combine them. And uh, I, when I went into application security, I just loved it. And as we all know, OS is the almighty knowledge base of application security, whether it was with tooling, uh, documentation, requirements, all of these things. And okay, I want to contribute. I want to read stuff. I want to see how I can improve things. And I started off with the cheat sheet series because that project uh, is actually the combination of uh, writing secure code and actually looking for vulnerabilities. So uh, when you look for a certain piece of code and you don't see the best practice being applied, then it means there's something wrong happening there. So that was somewhat interesting um, because it allowed me to be in the shoes of a developer better. And that's my end goal. Like, how is the developer looking at my recommendations? And how can I make my recommendations more developer friendly? So I started off with the Chi series uh, where Dominic was the project lead. And uh, he pushed me uh, to contribute a lot. And suddenly, I became a core maintainer of uh, the whole project. And a couple of months later, I, become, I became the project lead uh, on that project. And the let's say WSTG, the Web Security Testing Guide, priorly known as OS testing guide. Um, it was kind of what made me learn pen testing. And uh, whenever I saw that it was being built for version 5, I said, all right, this is my chance to actually give back to this project what it gave me, uh, how I started off. And that was a very lovely experience. And a couple of months later, I, I was helping Rick lead this project. Uh, and now we're pushing forward for version 5. That's that's exciting. The the different projects. I mean, Robert and I are both big fans of the cheat sheet series and the testing guide. It's hard not to be because there's such uh, interesting resources and very valuable. And we'll we'll dive deeper into what what they actually contain. I'm curious though, how did you find OWASP? The first like before, like go back to the time where you had no idea who OWASP was. What was your introduction? to OWASP yeah. that brought you to where you are now? 
Okay, so while I was getting into cybersecurity, um, I started to join communities, uh, and mostly on Discord. Um, I first joined it because a couple of friends were there, so they invited me. And I, I was kind of interested, hey, I'm interested in security, so could there be some kind of servers that relate to these projects, to the security overall and similar things? And I slowly started to join multiple servers. And OWASP always was mentioned somewhere when people were describing application security. And if you even write how to do application security, one of the resources that you're going to find on Google, it's going to be related to OWASP. So all you need is just, hey, I want to learn application security and just click OWASP anywhere you find it, which is almost everywhere. Um, it's just, uh, at the start, it was a little bit difficult to choose um, which project to look at because it contains so many. And uh, will you choose a mid-level, a flagship? Uh, which one are you going to choose? What focus are you going to focus on? So there's mobile, there's web, there's uh, tooling. Like wh whenever you come forward as a starting person, it gets daunting. And you start to look, all right, I know zero of this stuff. Where do I look? What do I start with? And uh, that's why I started to dig deeper into it because I saw, okay, this is a very huge world. I better start from somewhere. And I decided to start wherever I loved most, which was kind of testing and development. And that's how I chose the first two projects. Okay. And now are you part of a team uh, or a uh, local OWASP chapter? So in my country, there's no chapters, um, sadly. And launching one is, would be a little bit too much for me because I already am leading a lot, um, especially as well in the quarantine and uh, all of the hardships currently going on. Um, I would prefer not starting a chapter uh, in my local state. Yeah, I mean, you're doing a lot in the world of OWASP as we're going to get into here in more depth. Yeah. So let's go ahead and um, if you want to share your screen now, this will be kind of our, our break. I'm thinking that you'll share your screen and then introduce the projects while we're while we're kind of looking at them? Is that what you were thinking? Um, sure, that works. So first, I'm going to start off with the Web Security Testing Guide because it's uh, one of the kind of biggest achievements recently. So the, w, the, the WSTG started off as OWASP Testing Guide in 2004, and it mainly focused on bringing testing to the SDLC, uh, to software develop, the development lifecycle. Um, how could people integrate it? How could people look at it uh, instead of just a certain barrier at the end? Uh, so how can we make testing kind of, a, um, let's say, adding unit tests, doing threat models, uh, all of these parts that relate to actually seeing where the threats are uh, and where to conduct tests. So it started off in 2004 and focused mainly on those aspects, the small bits. And later on, uh, let's, let's see here. Um, after iteration after iteration, they started to add the, the tests and slowly it grew to what it is currently. And on the main page of the WSDG project page, you can see where, where someone can go and contribute, which is on the repo, the main repository of the project. Uh, there's a stable branch, there's the latest branch, and then there's the version release. And whenever you want to reference a certain uh, test, because we mentioned several tests over here, which are under chapter four. So whenever you want to reference any of these tests in any of your reports, you can reference it using WSTG, whichever category you're going under and giving the number. And 
in order to make it a little bit more uh, robust over the years, we added a small version. So whenever you want to put a certain WSTG scenario, you go ahead and pick the version, whichever the latest is under uh, the release, and you set it under uh, the reference that you pick, and you can directly use it however you want. And to add a little bit on why the WSTG is something that I enjoy more than other projects that are related to testing, well, because it's kind of a little bit more than simply testing. Uh, it's more than simply providing the test scenarios that you're going to do. What it does is it gives you a small introduction. Well, not so small, it's a little bit big. So what it does is it tackles what is the project, uh, how to do testing, uh, and it gives you a small explanation at the start, uh, how to look at code, how to do a threat modeling, a source, source code review, and everything that you need to actually follow a full SDLC testing pipeline. And that's something that you can't find anywhere and everywhere. You could, you could possibly find it in random blog post, posts, but you don't find it in one book. And that's something that's very valuable. There's definitely lots of blog posts about how to exploit cross-site scripting, for example. <laughs> but there's not a lot about kind of the process, all the different pieces that go into this. And so, yeah, that's a very valuable resource for folks that are, that are thinking about how do I integrate web application security testing into my security development lifecycle or maybe just my software development lifecycle. And so, yeah, that is, that is gold right there. The, the experience and wisdom and knowledge that's been transferred through that section is... Um, it's something that's really, it's a really special kind of description. And if I remember correctly, there are also some uh, tie-ins from the OWASP top 10. If, 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 am I correct that it would point back to some uh, parts of this as well? Yes, in a very uh, vague I mean, term, let's but, say. Yeah, yeah, so indirect, let's say yeah. uh, injection. So mm -hmm. you have these tests that follow uh, under input validation or injection attacks. Uh, let's say you're going for SPL injection. Um, so they kind of map together. There are 11 main sections. Uh, they kind of follow more to what ASVS is. Right. Uh, OWASP top 10 is more related to risks than actual attacks. They, they kind of relate, but it's not uh, directly related. They just have to be because there are risks at the end. So they, they, better, they better have some kind of an attack somewhere. Uh, and just to add one thing to Chris, uh, it's not, so these first two chapters, uh, so chapter two and chapter three, they are not particularly related to web. They are more related to testing. So you are going to do some mobile testing. Yes, go ahead. You can read this. It doesn't go into the details, but it provides you a general overview. Well, for mobile testing, you can go to the MSTG, uh, which is fantastic. Um, but as, as a general resource, these two chapters are somewhat independent from being only to web. And when you hit chapter four and the checklist that we provide for testing, yes, those are web-based uh, testing, definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. So what I'd love to do here is I'd love for you to show us an example of a particular test, and I'm going to give you one um, because I've, I've used this before. And this is one of the things I always point to to show the depth of the WSTG. So if you go to the cross-site scripting um, section and click so, through and, sh and show us. So there, uh, there are two parts. So okay. which one would you like to Let's go to the server side one. Let's do that. Let's look at the reflected cross-site scripting on the server side. Because that's one that I, I always look yeah. to 
Um, and, and I know this document has a huge amount of depth to it, but this is one that, that just, yeah. when I look at this one and I scroll through, I, th there is so much depth, like somebody could pick this up and truly understand reflected cross-site scripting and how to do it because this document is so, it's so, has so much detail in it. Yeah, definitely. So what we did is, uh, first of all, just a small update on this. So we put certain IDs. We made it a little bit uniform to have four characters, four characters, and two digits uh, to make things easier for people to use. And then uh, all, all test scenarios contain a summary. Uh, and the summary is basically just trying to explain what the attack is uh, on a high-level overview. It doesn't dig deep into the details. And then it goes into, OK, what are we going to test for, and how are we going to test it? Um, there are definitely multiple types. There are black box and gray box. We're a little bit shifting away from that because sometimes the gray box and the black box can be merged into one type of attack. So it kind of creates a redundancy. Um, but let's taking this as an example. Uh, first of all, you definitely need to detect where you're going to send your input and what is happening to your input. So definitely for cross-site scripting, we're talking over here for basic HTML tags. So uh, script alert or prompt or whatever we decide for it to be. And then we check how it's going to impact the page uh, using multiple types. So let's say we are in a creating a script tag or we are injecting a certain HTML and attribute. So they kind of differ and people need to check. So and there's a certain uh, filter evasion, ev evasion cheat sheet. Um, and now I'd actually push people to look at port swiggers uh, a new XSS cheat sheet to reference and look at because it contains a lot more. And for following through into the, the testing scenario, you can find more examples and some bypasses that you might find. But I'd like to point to something very clear that the test scenario allows you to understand the attack and start testing for it. But the attacker still needs to dig deeper into their specific application or their specific attack scenario, because there's no possible way that a certain test scenario is going to cover everything that could be possible. Because sometimes people build custom applications, and these custom applications will have their specific integration with other tools and applications that uh, are not possibly covered. So it's very important for people that are using WSTG to go a little bit further as well. And we do that by providing references and tools for them to look and understand better the attack, to see how people could uh, modify uh, certain input strings and how they can be manipulated in the back end. And that's very crucial for people that are learning as well to keep that in mind and not only say, hey, I went through this test scenario, but I didn't look at anything additionally from the references or the tools. OK, I'm good. There's nothing additional for me to do. So this is just a small pointer for people that are using it. Yeah, that's great. And, and it just it shows the depth that's that's what i'm so impressed with with this document is yeah. the depth of information that exists here from the test scenario to the uh the tools the references the book references like you know this is a there, there's so much information that's available here that's in this wsdg and we're just seeing one scenario of many others so back to robert's original question um the linkage that you had that, that you've been kind of working towards is is linkage with ASVS. Is there a mapping right now that exists between ASVS and WSDG, or is that something that you're working on for the future? 
Yeah, so I'd like to keep a little bit for the integration standard. Um, I, I'm going to give it as part of uh, what is the integration standard. So this question can just wait a little bit, and I'll be explaining everything related to referencing. Yeah, and that's, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, integration standard was the one of your projects that I'd never heard of before, so I'm actually very curious. Yeah. So uh, before we get to integration standard, let's talk about cheat sheet series. So let's, yeah. uh, let's pop over there and, um, and take a look and yeah. see so what, uh, what we have. What, so what I'm going to do, it's something that I usually like to do. It's uh, just search for it and then grabbing the cheat sheet from a certain Google search. Um, this is what I per perfectly love about this project. Uh, the cheat sheets, this is the only project that contains cheat sheets related to security. So whenever you have any issue or any particular uh, implementation that you're building, just add a security, just add the security word and then add cheat sheet and you're going to find definitely something around it. And this is the new website that we released a couple of, like a month ago. Uh, it uses material and we kind of changed a little bit how the cheat sheet works. Um, it's going to give you, first of all, an introduction. It's going to tell you what we are telling you, uh, how to secure things in a, general, in a general overview. We're going to give you sections on the main specific issues that you might find. So let's say you are talking about database security cheat sheet. Uh, there are some issues with the connection to the database, how you're going to build your string and how you're going to communicate with it so let's say over dls or over each or over non-encrypted communication and what can you use with it uh, and then you have authentication um your username your password how you're going to store them how you can use them so for example for microsoft sql you definitely need to use integrated authentication uh, so you don't implement any username and password then you have how to store the database credentials in a safe manner and the permissions uh, of, of your user, let's say I created uh, a new DB and I want to use it. Okay, make sure that you create a certain user that has specific uh, permissions to actually communicate with the database and not access multiple databases, delete tables, do random things that you don't want to be happening and make sure you harden things based on certain baseline recommendations. And then we dig into every specific uh, uh, generic, let's say, uh, DB provider. So Microsoft SQL Server, MySQL, Postgres, and MongoDB are a couple of the examples. And in the cheat sheet series, there is a little bit of what you discussed. Uh, we have an index to, with the ASVS. So let's say you are tackling architecture. You can go to the architecture uh, section and then see, okay, I'm building a, a secure SDLC. Right, there's the threat modeling, the abuse case cheat sheet, and the attack surface analysis cheat sheet that could help us with it. Uh, this is one example. And uh, Dominic went one step further as well, and he made a certain mapping between proactive controls and the cheat sheet series. So let's say I'm building, so uh, uh, for those that don't know what proactive controls are, um, they are the top 10 uh, major mitigations that you can build into your product. Um, so first of all, it's defined security requirements and it provides you a couple of uh, cheat sheets to help you do that, uh, so on and so forth. Um, so these are quick wins for people to use. Um, and to go over uh, to the repository, people can open up issues for requests that provide us with, let's say, grammar fixes, uh, logical fixes, uh, how the cheat sheet could be uh, made to be read better because the cheat sheet mainly it's 
how can we help builders build better security products or more secure product? And it's very essential for us that, hey, as a developer, what I am reading is understandable and I can use it to implement whatever security measures I'm doing. Because this is the major weakness that we mostly identify um, with pen test reports. Hey, I, I found some XSS on your website. Go ahead and, and fix it. But I don't provide you any actual remediation uh, tips or fixes. You just send me to fix the XSS issue. I go ahead and fix it. And then you find another issue in it because I didn't know how to implement it properly. So the cheat sheet series is mainly focused on providing these good security practices. They are not the best. Uh, they are the good ones. Because let's say I'm going to implement the best security practice. Some developer might not be able to properly implement it. And it's going to, to be very hard for them to do. What we actually aim to, aim to do is have enough security and good security till an actual security officer comes in and provide you with the top most security practices. But whatever you implement from the cheat sheets, you are very secure. It's not just the top of the line. You can add more security, but that's not on us to actually worry about. We actually want to make your product secure, but it's not going to be a uh, government level or fed level or any of those because those are beyond this project scope yeah the thing the thing i love about the cheat sheet series is that it's it is one issue per cheat sheet and it's designed to be simple as simple as it can possibly be so that you can point a developer towards one cheat sheet when they're having a specific issue like password storage is one that i that i'm i'm fond of because that's such a hard thing it's such yeah. a hard thing to actually do. Like I couldn't imagine how somebody is sitting there thinking with no, with no cheat sheet or no kind of background information. Like they're sitting there, developers going, Hmm, I need to store passwords. Like, yeah. like what, what are they going to do? Like nobody's, you're not going to be like, Oh, I think there's a thing called bcrypt somewhere or argon too, or, you know, there's, um, you know, all these different things. And so the, yeah, the, the, the cheat sheet, like th this is one that I point to all the time when people are like, Hey, how do we store passwords? Boom. <laughs> Go look at the, the OWASP <laughs> password cheat sheet. Yeah, so this is this in particular was updated a couple of months ago uh, into the new format. Uh, it actually discusses the introduction, a small bits of what is password storage and why do you need it. And then it provides quick quick bits. So let's say I'm a developer in a hurry. Okay, okay, use Bcrypt unless you have a good reason not to. All right, Bcrypt is good enough for me to use. Uh, if I am allowed to set a work factor, I need to set a very large work factor. And we discuss this later in a different uh, section. Uh, use Assault. Uh, despite Bcrypt doing it on its own, uh, if, you are if, if you are made to do it, just add Assault. And if, you are do if you're looking for additional layers of security, use a pepper. And we discuss this and when not to use a pepper. Because sometimes using a pepper, for example, could compromise a certain DB by not being able to use it anymore because peppers are, they cover the whole database. And if you lose the pepper, you lost everything inside of the DB if you don't have proper management of the peppers. So yep. that's very critical for people to use. Are you going to add that? It's kind of like the TLDR, too long didn't read yeah. <laughs> at the top. Yeah, is, so, that, is that the plan to yeah. add those for all the cheat sheets so that it's like the really yes. version? And you probably, same thing, Chris, you hear that often. What's the latest? What's the best right now? What's, you know, that's a great, great feature there. I can go there and, and update that just to, to show what's the latest, greatest feature that I should maybe think about. Um, so that's a great, great addition. I like that. 
Yeah, so, so some cheat sheets won't be able to contain certain uh, recommendations because let's say cryptographic uh, storage cheat sheet. What are you using it for? There are so many use cases. Uh, you have to actually read a little bit. So we made them uh, extremely concise. And let's say I'm, I'm only looking to uh, check. I want to randomly generate a certain uh, ID. How can I do it? Or I want to implement a certain uh, cipher. All right, which are the best to use? OK, I can just click cipher mode and then just look around. Hey, GCM and TCM. Uh, well, GCM because it definitely adds uh, authentication uh, to whatever you're using. And if you're not using uh, any of the top recommended ones, uh, we kind of try and help uh, people to use something else. So let's say you're using CBC, which is not the best. But if you use CBC with proper uh, encryption after Mac, uh, then Macing, it, it becomes a little bit more bearable to use and it becomes secure. In order to break it, you'll need a lot to do. So it, it's still secure than doing a bad implementation of any other uh, algorithm. And then we say, so for example, ECB should not be used outside of very specific circumstances. And we give some tips for people that are looking at ventures. So don't implement your custom cryptography because just like don't that. do it. Just no need do to it. actually explain it. Don't do it. Just don't do it. It's just simple. Yeah. I don't yep. need to talk about it. Just don't do it. <laughs> so let's, let's go ahead and transition over to the integration standards. Because um, like yeah. I said, I have no idea. I have never heard of the integration <laughs> standards. So I'm very curious as to what it is and what you're trying to accomplish there. So while I was going into the OWASP world, uh, specifically uh, WSCG, CheatSheets, uh, MSTG, ASVS, dependency track, all of the projects, and definitely that. I looked around and I didn't see anything that could link them together. So whenever I looked around, I just saw that, okay, the cheat sheet sometimes references ASVS and the proactive controls. Uh, ASVS sometimes references NIST and uh, CWE. Uh, ZAP as well references CWE, but doesn't have any uh, testing. So it provides you two lines of testing recommendations but it doesn't tell you how to do the full test. Uh, and it doesn't tell you properly how to remediate it. And the WSTG is still a standalone project. Um, I looked at WSTG and said, hey, I want to integrate WSTG with ASVS. OK, how am I going to do it? I started to look around and see that, hey, no project is properly linking to other projects in a very agnostic manner. For you to add every project, you need to build it from the, from scratch. So for example, if you look at the proactive control and ASVS with the cheat sheet series, I can't take that and use it for WSCG. I'm going to have to start it from the start. And uh, in November 2019, um, I decided to communicate with most project leaders, uh, mainly the flagship project leaders, and told them, hey, I'm seeing this issue, and I want to fix it. I want to create a certain SDLC pipeline that actually communicates together and is not just section. So let's say ASVS is the requirements part and the WSCG is at the testing part and I have the cheat sheet series at the implementation part, but none of them can communicate with, with each other. So let's say I'm a pen tester. How can I just set one reference that is going to link, to link all of the pipeline together? And that didn't exist. No one uses it. The, the closest that you can find people referencing CWE but CWE is not enough to actually describe the requirement. So ASVS and MASVS can't use it enough. So let's say I find a certain CWE for 
the length of a certain random string. All right, is this random string being used in a session or in a certain uh, identifier? Where is it being used? What's the criticality of it? And how am I going to test against it? And that's going to, to create so many problems because CWE actually focuses on the testing part and not at the requirements part. And the requirements part is actually the small bits. So I had a small chat uh, with the leaders and I was introduced to Rob, Rob Vanderveer. And he's, he's my co-lead. And we discussed the possibilities of creating such a thing. Uh, a repository that could help uh, build a certain ID, which we're going to call it CRE, Common Requirement Enumeration. Uh, and that CRE is going to help link all of the projects, all of the standards together. So let's say you're building for a certain password storage uh, requirement. It's going to link between ASVS, the Chi Chi series, uh, NIST, um, CWE for testing, WSTG for testing, all of them, it's going to be linked under one ID that mainly focuses, all right, I need to build a certain uh, implementation. I need this requirement. How can I ensure that the whole SDLC is covered underneath it? And this is what the integration standard is going to do. It's going to provide you with a certain ID that you can just plug it into your report. And this report is now usable by testers. It's usable by implementations, uh, by implementers, by QA testers, by business owners because it's going to link everything together. Uh, it's a very difficult project, but we are looking to MVP it in, at the end of the summer. Uh, we already have a big test bed uh, of requirements that we have linked, um, and we have a huge repository that we're building for it. And what this uh, project aims to do as well, it's, it's as well describing OWASP and the SDLC, because OWASP has so many projects, as I described at the start, but it doesn't tell you where is each. So me and Spyros uh, decided to, all right, let's go ahead, uh, start talking about the SDLC, and then slowly start, hey, we are doing planning and requirements, gathering, whatever you want to name it. All right, so SAM helps you, ASDS helps you, uh, SKF helps you, and we provide certain examples on a good maturity level, uh, which is low, which is high, and we slowly go into every design stage, and. If you notice, there are links across it as you go through. Uh, these links are tools, documentation, uh, best practices, and how you can properly look at things. So this is a little bit on threat modeling, which is in the design stage, and what you can use to do it. You can start off by simply doing a draw IO, uh, but I don't heavily recommend it because it's on the cloud, so be careful what you store on the cloud. Um, you can just open a PowerPoint and start drawing or just a whiteboard and start drawing. Uh, SK, SKF helps you build uh, what the project is going to contain. And as you go through, you can see all of the stages covered and how you can properly provide uh, recommendations across all of the stages, um, which is something that was lacking inside of OS. Uh, why you don't know about it? Because it's still an uh, incubator. Uh, it's still new. Uh, we are hoping to have it uh, grow uh, very soon uh, with the work that we're pushing. And we have some support from certain standards. Uh, so we hopefully look to push forward this project. Yeah, it's great. It's um, a, a piece that's been missing is the integration between all the different documents. So that's really exciting that you're going to have this CRE and it's going to be tagged to all the different documents. So I can look up a CRE and I can get references to 
all of the places where that exists inside of the OWASP universe. I think the, um, the OWASP SDLC work is also something that's been needed. And I'm, I'm excited to see kind of where that goes because I know a lot of folks have tried that in the past. There's been a few projects in, in OWASP. If you could go back to the wiki, there's a few um, projects in the OWASP graveyard <laughs> that have tried to yeah. do that. It failed. So I, I think it's a piece that's been missing for a long time of yeah. how do you, how do I take OWASP and build an SDL out of it? And so, um, yeah, I think, I think you're, it's going in the right, the right kind of direction there. So, um, Great. basically I guess at this stage, um, what, what would be your kind of key takeaway? You know, we've talked about WSTG cheat sheets, integration standards, all these projects that you're, um, a leader and, and a big contributor to um, what would be your key takeaway then for our audience or call to action? Like, what do you want them to do as a result of all of the, all of the projects that you've told us about today? What I want to actually mention is these projects are all open source. Um, anyone can look at them. Anyone can use them. Anyone can contribute to them. Um, but people always decide to just, point fingers and reference at the end OS top 10. It's a great project, but it's not enough. Uh, people need to look at application security from another perspective. They need to see that I need to help application security because it's a very, let's say, it's a newborn team. Um, it, it hasn't been there for long. Well, it's been around for more than 20 years, but it's not being pushed properly. People are still uh, giving keynotes about it in major uh, conferences. Uh, just to tell how much needed it still is. Uh, applications are everywhere where there are, there are vulnerabilities. Even security products are having big, big vulnerabilities, not to mention a couple of days ago, a, a big uh, security provider uh, had a certain CVE that was major. Um, and I'm going to mention a little bit for people that are starting off in the field or that they still don't know about the field, um, just look around, uh, touch on what you love. So let's say I love doing pen testing, I love doing web testing uh, or mobile testing. Just go ahead, grab the document, um, try to find, let's say, uh, grammar issues as a starter, try to find logical issues. So this chapter doesn't make sense with the next chapter. All right, I can just go ahead and open an issue. And uh, as far as I know, uh, most of the project leaders that are currently in, in, in place, they are very welcoming and they help people push forward commits, uh, even if it's very basic. Because for us, let's say a, a grammar fix or any of the like, it's something minimal. But let's say a, a person that has never contributed, is going, they're going to say, hey, I just contributed to a certain project that I'm using, and it's going to give them a big uh, push to do more, to communicate with the leaders, and contribution doesn't have to be uh, on the project. Sometimes project leaders just need a small feedback. Hey, I love the book. Uh, I prefer, let's say, uh, to have a certain section just before uh, this particular reference because I didn't understand it. All right, we go ahead and create an issue. And that's a, that's a very major contribution because feedback is essential for us to understand, hey, are we going in the direction that the community needs us to? Um, and I want to say as well, being a project leader uh, on open source projects, uh, it's very daunting because sometimes you really don't know when to separate. So 
should I do more work because I'm the project lead on this project or should I just relax a bit or what should I exactly do? And I'd say that people sometimes forget about that. Uh, I'm, I'm referencing other project leaders and I'd like to, to say that please take breaks as, as, as you move forward. Uh, being a project leader is definitely something hard, but it shouldn't take over your life. You should definitely focus on your life and being a project leader is enough for the community because you are keeping a project alive, you are taking in contributions, you are putting a certain vision, and uh, that on its own is very critical for the community. Yeah, definitely. That's that's very wise words that you share with uh, the whole OWASP community here. So, Ellie, we want to thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Also, thank you for your leadership on all of these different projects. And I know being a leader means you're always contributing as well. And um, so thank you for, for doing that. And we look forward to having you on the show again in the future for updates on all these projects, talking about how to be a successful project lead, how to contribute There's a lot of things we still have to talk about. So we'll, uh, we'll have you on again in a future episode. So thanks for being here today. Definitely. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. You'll find the show on Twitter at AppSec Podcast or on the web at www.securityjourney.com slash application dash security dash podcast. You can also find Chris on Twitter at EdgeRoute and Robert at Robert Hurlbutt. Remember, security is a journey, not a destination.